At Alina Health, it's our mission to provide exceptional care, prevent illness, restore health, and provide comfort to all people in our community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole, with the WellCast. Fibromyalgia affects millions of Americans, predominantly women, and is often misunderstood by the medical community. In recent years, however, significant advances have occurred in our understanding of this condition. My guest today is Dr. Murray McAllister. He's a health psychologist and the clinical director of pain services for Courage County Rehabilitation Institute. Welcome to the show, Dr. McAllister. First, tell us what is fibromyalgia? Well, fibromyalgia is a chronic pain condition. You know, that's characterized by a few key symptoms. Those symptoms are widespread pain all over, uh, excessive fatigue, and what might be considered a sensitivity to touch or mild pressure. So uh, what I mean by that is that people with fibromyalgia, um, as well as other chronic, chronic pain conditions, by the way, will often report that at some time during the course of their condition, they notice that things that are normally not painful have become painful. So the classic example for fibromyalgia is that, you know, that hugs hurt. And so that, you know, the pressure to the skin and the muscles that's involved in a hug, you know, it shouldn't be painful, but it, in fact, has become painful. Um, we call this allodynia or hyperalgesia. So people with fibromyalgia, they report pain all over, the sensitivity to touch and pressure, and excessive fatigue. Uh, you know, commonly, though, uh, folks with fibromyalgia also report other symptoms, too. So they can report they have light and unrestful sleep, irritable bowel symptoms poor concentration, short-term memory problems, uh, anxiety, depression, um, and these kinds of things. Dr. McAllister, do we know what causes fibromyalgia? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, in fact, we do. Um, for many years, though, you know, it was thought to be a, that there, um, you know, as an idiopathic condition. And idiopathic means um, that, you know, we didn't know what, what causes it. Um, but recently, and I would say the last, say, decade and a half, um, basic science has come to, to, to find that, that fibromyalgia is caused by a condition called central sensitization. And to explain what that means, you know, I'll have to first talk just a little bit about how pain works in the body. So in our society, we oftentimes think that injury or illness is the most important thing when it comes to pain. Um, and of course, it is important, but no matter what the source of pain is, we also need a nervous system in order to have pain. And so the, you know, the nerves in the body detect some kind of problem, like an injury, and they send those signals up to the spinal cord and brain, which you know, is also part of the nervous system. And, and the brain processes those signals and creates pain in the body. So for example, if I had a, a four-inch nail sticking in my foot, I'd feel pain in my foot, of course, but it's only because the nerves in my foot are sending signals up to the spinal cord and brain, and, and, those, and the brain is processing those signals into the experience of pain in the foot. And so that's how normal pain works. Now, in a normally functioning nervous system, it takes a certain amount of stimuli to cause pain. So, for example, you know, it usually would take a slug in the arm to cause me pain in my arm. Um, whereas, you know, a gentle pat on my arm, you know, isn't sufficiently, you know, typically isn't a sufficient amount of force to cause pain. Now, if we got back to fibromyalgia here, what happens in fibromyalgia uh, is that the nervous system becomes excessively reactive. So it takes less and less stimuli to cause pain. So the nerves in the body and the spinal cord and the brain, they come to communicate with each other in such a way that the whole system gets stuck in this heightened state of reactivity. It's like it's stuck in this hair trigger mode. 
that any amount of stimulus can cause pain. Like, for example, just sitting in a chair. Now, that amount of stimuli that occurs when sitting in a chair or having a grandchild sit on my lap, you know, it shouldn't be painful, but for folks with fibromyalgia, it is because those nerves are sending up the signals to the brain and the brain is processing it into pain. And so when the whole system gets stuck in this high state of reactivity, it's called central sensitization. And that's what we know now is the cause of fibromyalgia. That's fascinating and so well explained. How do you diagnose it? Well, you know, um, it's basically uh, uh, based on the patient's self-report, um, self-reported symptoms. You know, we all would, would love to have um, a reliable test for the condition, you know, some kind of litmus test for it, but we also unfortunately don't have that. Um, so what, what in, in the healthcare system what we do is, you know, the, what the provider does is essentially does a, you know, a checklist of possible causes for, the, for this widespread pain all over. So they're going to rule out first like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or other rheumatological conditions. They'll rule out orthopedic conditions like bone fractures or ligament tears or sprains and things like that. And they'll, they'll rule out cancer and making sure that somebody doesn't have cancer. But once all those tests are come back negative, then basically the diagnosis is on the self-reported symptoms of the patient. And specifically, that would be you know the widespread pain all over. And it has to be kind of pain below the waist and above the waist, on the right side and the left. Uh, you know, of course, the, the pain typically moves back and forth from day to day, but it has to be pain kind of on all four quadrants of the body at some time. And then also, I should add, that it has to be for at least three months, which is typical, you know, the common time for marking something as chronic. Um, now, just up until about a few years ago, healthcare providers diagnosed the condition by lightly palpating or pushing on certain areas of the body that was called tender points. And so if the patient reported pain upon mild pressure at a sufficient number of these sites, they were considered to have fibromyalgia. But in the last few years, we realized that that's not a very reliable test. The field has come to recognize that you know, we're just going to base the diagnosis on self-reported symptoms once everything else has been ruled out. So, Dr. McAllister, I would like to ask you, because there seems to be some stigma around the condition of fibromyalgia. Why do you think that is? And are more women, why are more women involved in this? Do you think there's something stress-related? Talk about that correlation for just a minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, I mean, we take the issue of stigma. I mean, that, that, that's a, such a big issue for folks with fibromyalgia and for other chronic pain conditions for that matter, too. You know, people in society without pain, they, they just don't understand how someone can have pain all over without an injury. Or, you know, if, even if there was an injury way back when, it maybe had been a couple years ago, and it's all since healed up. And so people don't understand how pain can last for that long. You know, they also don't understand that, that heightened sensitivity. So they don't understand, like, you know, when a hug can hurt. And for most of us, hugs feel good. And, and so when the folks, with, with a, when a person says, from, you know, with fibromyalgia says that it hurts, you know, it's, it's hard to understand. And I think in that lack of understanding or the difficulty in understanding people, unfortunately, can turn to judge them. You know, they can kind of think, oh, they must be crazy or a hypochondriac or something. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, in our society, mental health problems like that are really stigmatized. And so if the patient is mistakenly put into that category of, of conditions, they too get stigmatized. And it's really unfortunate. You asked about, you know, the correlation with women. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. 
studies would suggest that it's probably upwards to 90% of folks with fibromyalgia are women. We actually don't know why that is. I think most experts would suggest that it's probably due to a combination of multiple factors, like biological and psychological, social factors. You know, when we think about it, our health is super complicated. When, you know, when we consider most common chronic health conditions today, like, say, not only fibromyalgia or chronic pain, but, say, diabetes or heart disease, they're the result of many factors. You know, they're biological and genetic. There's also lifestyle and behavioral factors that come into play and, and societal. You know, the, the societal factors, the times in which we live, common health problems that we deal with today, like I was just mentioning, you know, they're very different than what we or what our grandparents Oh, they um, they certainly are, and, and we are seeing some more of these autoimmune-type diseases. Now, mm-hmm. in just these last mm-hmm. few minutes, tell us how it's treated, Dr. McAllister. Well, yeah, that's a, a great question. So basic science and applied science has really found you know, four categories of things that, that, that really work. You know, historically, fibromyalgia was thought to be something there was really nothing that could be done about it. But in the last decade or two, we've really found that there are some effective things that can help. Now, I should add, though, that effective doesn't mean curative. Um, you know, there's no pill or procedure that can cure uh, fibromyalgia. But it's so effective in this sense, you know, means um, helping patients to get incrementally better so they have less pain over time or more energy over time, more able to do those activities of life that they want to do. So what are those four categories? They're, they're first would be some form of mild aerobic exercise. So, for example, like walking or pool therapies, exercise bike, um, when done on a regular basis over an extended period of time. So once a patient can get to the point where they're able to do some kind of mild aerobic exercise for 20, 30, 40 minutes, three to five times a week. When they're able to do that over time, they're going to see less and less symptoms. The second thing would be cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is um, having an expert coach who essentially coaches folks on how to make these kinds of healthy lifestyle changes, as well as learn some specialized cognitive and emotional coping strategies. Third category would be some kind of relaxation therapy. So this is diaphragmatic breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, but also things like meditation and mindfulness, tai chi, yoga, all of these have been shown to be in clinical trials to be helpful for chronic, I mean, uh, uh, for chronic pain of all kinds, but fibromyalgia in particular. And then the fourth thing that's been helpful um, are, are uh, medications, and there are essentially two classes of medications, the tricyclic antidepressants and the anti-epileptic medications. And I should add just so real quickly, because folks are oftentimes wondering, you know, what medications I should take. And, and while they have been shown to be helpful in clinical trials, um, they're not the most helpful thing to do. You know, the most helpful things are, are these mild aerobic exercises and relaxation exercises done on a regular basis, as well as CBT. Now, by all means, folks should you know, maybe take a medication if, if it's helpful, but it's in the combination of all four strategies that's really been shown to be the most helpful over time. So in just the last minute, what's your best advice for people with fibromyalgia and, and who they should seek for care? I would say that my best advice would be to be open to understanding the cause of fibromyalgia, you know, how the nervous system gets stuck in that high state of reactivity called central sensitization. So if you understand that and accept it, you can, it becomes clear as to why you should be doing those four strategies of, of effective therapies because they all target the nervous system and reduce its reactivity over time. 
Thank you so much. It is really great information. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.